And welcome to the Let'sy Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, our mini-sode is about some resume myths that need to die. Guys, listen, there is a lot of garbage advice going around in the resume world slash career world, and my goal here is to give these myths a swift kick to the pants and lay them to rest in their muddy grave. What exactly is a muddy grave? I really don't know. I think I just made it up, but nevertheless, it felt right. All right, so let's get right to it. These are some resume myths that need to die, and it revolves all around the belief that there are blanket answers or one-size-fits-all answers for every job application. You may consciously say, I don't believe in one-size-fits-all answers, but when you're in a crunch and emotions are running high, and then someone gives you a shallow piece of advice, it's tempting to take that advice and run with it. I, Chris Villanueva, strive to be less shallow. I strive to be thoughtful in the way that things are presented and give you in-depth answers over the course of these podcast episodes, which we are at 150 right now. That is days and days of audio. So if you ever need to find out more about a specific thing, feel free to go back in our past history of podcast episodes. Okay, so subtle rant over, and now I'll give you some examples of one-size-fits-all answers in the job search. Thing number one, quote, all resumes should be one page or X amount of pages. This is the most common myth, and I think it needs to die. That's because there are so many different types of positions and levels of leadership that may require more experience. I don't think everything can be fit on one page if you are an executive applying for executive level positions. Conversely, I think if you are a college student and you just have a couple of years of experience, then it makes the most sense to have a one-pager. But how do you answer the fact that if your resume is physically going to get in the hands of someone, for example, if you're applying for an internal promotion and they want to put you underneath the microscope, it may make more sense to have more information on that resume. If you are applying for certain government jobs, they may want you to submit a federal resume. In that case, you can be darn sure that it's not gonna be a one-pager. So that one needs to die. I think that it's just not good to give one size fits all answers in general. But once again, look at the audience you're applying for and look at the context of the application. Second myth, quote, always delete your experience past the year 2000 or past 10 years, etc. This is one that I hear commonly. And I think the intention is good because the people giving this advice just typically want you to know that you don't have to include everything in all of your experience. While this is generally true, I think you should take this with a grain of salt just because your experience should be what is most relevant for the jobs you're applying for. Once again, your experience should be most relevant for the jobs that you're applying for. What if you were someone who only had relevant experience or what if your most relevant experience was before the year 2000? I'll tell you once I had a client who was a stay-at-home mother for 18 years and she was really passionate about her field of accounting and she wanted to go back to the olden days in which she was working as an accountant. And the only relevant experience that she had to go off of was from the year 1995 all the way to, I think it was the mid 2000s. Normally for a job seeker who would have 10 years of recent experience, I would say you probably don't need to include that information. But in her case, it was important to ask 
what is the most relevant thing that can get the interview. Look back in the past. If you have relevant experience in your last five to 10 years, I'll tell you right now that probably is going to suffice and you probably should consider removing past experience, but really look at what can be, I should say, tailored most impressively for the jobs you're applying for. Because if it looks really good, even if it is a long time ago and it's relevant, then I might consider leaving it on in some way, shape or form. Third myth slash bad piece of advice here is, quote, always delete interests on your resume. And this is a generally bad piece of advice because, once again, it's a one-size-fits-all answer. And I'll counter-argue, what if your interests are something that could end up getting you hired? To be honest, I leave off interests in about 90-95% to of the resumes that I've done in the past. But there are those cases in which you should include interests. Such as, what if you are applying for a position in which those people skills or those connection skills really do matter? For instance, if you're applying for a company in which the culture revolves around a certain type of activity, that might be something to include within your resume. To give an example, if you're applying for Patagonia or some outdoor clothing company, then one thing that might be, I'd say, interesting to put is that you're into hiking or that you are into running marathons. I don't know. That may not be the best example, but you can see where my mind is going now. Look at your audience. That is the most important thing I can tell you. All right. Myth number four slash bad piece of advice is, quote, never, ever, ever have fancy resumes. Never have a resume that is designed. And this is a good one because it comes from a good place because there's a lot of ATS advice out there that started this. The applicant tracking system is something that has really revolutionized how people write resumes and how people apply for jobs. The fancy resume or resume with creativity or design is something that could potentially get in the way of your resume getting scanned properly. I don't deny this, but to say to never have a fancy resume to someone who might need to showcase creativity may not be a smart decision. In fact, if you are applying for a creative job or a job that requires some level of design, I would recommend having both an applicant tracking system friendly resume as well as a fancy visual resume. To say to never have fancy resumes is a one-size-fits-all answer that would say that most people should be applying through applicant tracking systems. That's not necessarily true. In fact, I've never advocated to apply solely through applicant tracking systems because this is a really inefficient and ineffective way to apply, in my opinion. The best thing you can do, especially if you're applying for those creative positions, is to network the crap out of your situation and to get that fancy, well-designed resume in the hands of someone who can actually read it, not just a robot. So to say to always, always remove your graphics and to remove the double columns and to remove any hint of creativity, I think would be bad advice when it's applied to its blanket one size fits all answer form. Once again, most of the resumes that I write and most of the resumes that go through our company are not fancy. They're just really darn good applicant tracking system friendly resumes. That's just the situation that many of our clients are in. But I urge you to look at your own situation before taking someone else's advice and applying it to your own situation. Case in point, when in doubt, think from the perspective of the person reading your resume. Who is your audience at this time? This is the best advice I can give you. 
because you're going to need to look at things such as how much time are these people spending at a resume? What are they looking for? And are applicant tracking systems going to look at it before a human even does? These are three factors that can influence whether or not these myths apply to you or not. Once again, these myths come from a good place. In many cases, they are true. But to use the words never and always and to apply it to you, the job seeker, would be doing you an injustice. In fact, it ignores your specific needs as a job seeker and the types of jobs you're applying for. So once again, take all four of those pieces of advice with a grain of salt and look at your specific situation because that's going to get you more success by getting as targeted as possible. Hope you found this to be useful. Hopefully you didn't find this to be too ranty, but more of a positive way for you to look at your job search and something that would give you a little bit more hope, especially amidst all the confusing career advice out there. This concludes episode 150. Thanks so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.